Good morning, good morning, beautiful ladies. Today is the first day of school for some of us in the East Coast slash Midwest too, I believe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And it's just a beautiful day. We are in the fall as we start to like wrap down or wrap up walking with Sharia because normally I go until September. And so I'm going to try to end this whole month if we get the weather to stick with us. And then maybe we'll transition to something a little different. But we will be here again. I have my, at this point, unofficial (laughs) (laughs) co-host, Michelle, with me. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things or themes that we picked out of last week that we were like, oh, we got to talk about that one day. (laughs) And also going back to school and the anxiety this year and how it's a lot different than what we're used to. And just kind of like flushing it through out as a family. All right. So. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Sharia. Thank you. How's everybody doing? I hope y'all taking care of yourselves and taking care of each other. I was talking with Sharia this morning about my senior. It's her last year of high school. It's my last baby at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to be excited and be in the moment with her. Talking about like, yay, (laughs) happy first day of your senior year and she's like is it friday yet right (laughs) (laughs) so i was just had it on my mind you know i have a senior so she's a little bit more is she going hybrid or is she doing online so she had a very difficult time deciding because we let it you know we let it be her decision um but because she has elderly grandparents you know and we worry about their health she and she likes to spend time with them so uh she's gonna do remote okay she didn't want to you know go in the classroom and take the risk of uh getting contaminated and bringing something home so she made that decision and I know that was not an easy decision for her it's her senior year you know I mean of course wow I uh I know we talked about it a little bit but I definitely can understand that and respect it as a mama slash grandma girl. <laughs> so, so I probably would have made a similar decision if it meant not being able to see or be around my grandparents. Yeah. So I can understand that, but that also makes it tough too, because this is our senior year. Like, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I really, I actually really wanted her to go. And I know it sounds crazy, but you know, this COVID is so, unpredictable mm-hmm. and we're still trying to figure it all out but at the end of the day this is gonna always be her senior year yeah and I want her to enjoy it so but it's her decision right so however yeah. she's gonna enjoy it is how she's gonna enjoy it so that but, makes total sense to me <laughs> yeah but you know I have to give it up to my husband he's um he's been the one who's doing the majority of the homeschooling with her okay um and you know, she needs that support just to encourage her to keep moving, right? Like, I feel bad for some parents who have little kids where they yeah. actually have to do everything with them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that senior is totally different than the elementary school. Yeah. So I just have parents on my heart and in my mind this morning um, wondering how people are planning, how they have their homes set up. Mm-hmm. you know, for schooling, because we got a test run at the end of the school year. Um, <laughs> a test run, that's a nice thing to call it. <laughs> we just had to jump into it, you know, everybody had to jump into it, so I know, like, my girlfriend in Kansas City, Tony, who, she usually listens um, to the Walking with Sharia, she went all out to make sure her daughter was comfortable. Exactly. She looks like she has a little dorm room. <laughs> so she has her first day of college. <laughs> yes. They got their test run on what it looks like to get her prepared for her dorm, right? <laughs> Which I think um, is a good idea, though, because it sends a message that although this is different, I still want to invest in how important it is. Right. And also how comfortable I want you to be in this transition because you don't know how long it's going to take. We That's thought right. we would, I mean... It's September. In March, we never would have thought six months later we would be here. Right. Like, 
Never it was like, oh, go home and do your two weeks and then you're going to come back. And now it's like everything has changed, you know? Everything has changed. This is like our new normal for real. Yeah. And, you know, this is traumatizing for all of us. And I just mm-hmm. can't imagine what it's like for the children, right? Like you said, it's a clear reflection from her mother that she's invested in making sure she has the best school experience exactly and that's tough because you want to do that while still trying to give the child some autonomy where it's like it's school it's supposed to be your separate time from parents supposed to be your socialization with your peers it's a number of things that are out of our control as parents or can be out of our control but to try to give them the most supportive environment as possible I think that's great Uh, yeah I think that's great too and I just I think that you bring up a really good point in terms of how do you separate right so like Mm -hmm. it's hard enough to separate school at home or work at home when you go outside of the home to do it yeah because you still have homework or you still have work that you're working on when you leave the office but when it's all in one place Mm -hmm. how do you set up your environment to make sure that you can do your schoolwork or homework, excuse me, your office work or your schoolwork, and then turn it off, shut that down, and then be in home mode, um, because that's important for our mental health, like, I mean, extremely important, like, well, I hope what people would hear is that, and we talk about this sometimes, but I think more or less in the support group, having a like formal transition, like an actual formal transition from work slash school to your after afterlife, right? And so, for example, for an adult, it might be like literally turning on music as if you're driving home in your car, right? Like Mm -hmm. to transition you over. And for a kid, think about after school programs. What type of things would they do in after school? Play games, do some kind of like activity, try to find that routine at home as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are, those are good tips because you could find yourself just constantly in work mode Oh my God, as yeah. a child or as a parent. So if the child is still working, you know, past school hours yeah, and now we bled from school into homework <laughs> time yeah. So it just is not, it's just not stop. And then if you don't have an area that you can dedicate just for office and school work. Which many of us don't. Which many nobody, of us don't. Most people can't, didn't afford, could not afford to plan for this in advance. Like, right. So to be able to have a office space is a privilege. To be able to have a dedicated space is a privilege that it's great if you have it, but for those who don't, we also still need to try to give them some kind of autonomy or space that's creative for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that could be as simple as just a small chair and a desk, or it could be a palette for that person to be able to do their homework, you know? Yeah, I like that. So I would, if I'm doing my homework, I'm sitting at my little desk and chair wherever Mm -hmm. we have that and then when I'm I'm sorry when I'm doing my schoolwork when I'm doing my remote schoolwork I'm at my desk in my chair and then when I'm at my when I'm done and I'm doing homework I kind of get in a a different place or position Uh so mentally it separates yeah and it helps to it helps to as the parent practice that by modeling it with your work mm-hmm. especially if you are re- working remotely as well like so not every parent is still working remotely so just like every child isn't home remotely right so right but for those who are you got to really think about what are you modeling around the work because I think about last month I read an article I think it was last month or the month before that said we're doing almost 30 percent more work remotely we were already overworked. <laughs> like, as a right. So like, 
So basically after COVID, for people who are back in the office, they're doing 30% more work remotely. No, actually, yeah, exactly. So if you're working at home, you're more likely to let it run into your work, your after hours. Okay, okay. If you're working remotely, you're doing, yes, I see that. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you don't have the boundaries or you don't have the like dedicated time because you were also trying to shift around your home life, right? So a person who has a toddler can't work during the day if they're trying to take care of them because there's no daycare. So right. what, what happens is usually you're trying to work on those like shifts that they're sleeping. And then once they're officially asleep, you find yourself working into the night. So we're working more. You know, that's just stressful just listening to that scenario, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, no, don't apologize because that's somebody's reality. That's a lot of people's reality. Or, and, you know, I think it's important to keep it real. Yes, keep yes. it real and talk to your people. <laughs> who's in your tribe? Yeah. Who is the, who's around you? And who have you not tapped into for, as a resource? Like, we got to yeah. really think about, about this. You know, yeah, sometimes the people who are closest to us aren't the ones that can assist us the most. <laughs> very true. Very true. And it's important to kind of reach outside of your circle, too, for resources, right? Find out what's available. Find out what services they're offering remotely now that they weren't as a result of schools changing, right? So in some communities, there's lunch programs that are bringing kids lunch and or you have to go to a ded um, dedicated space to pick up lunch, right? So finding out those things might also be like a form of support, even if it's not your individual circle, you know? Because I, yeah. think about, I think about myself, if I had children right now, I would be in a, a bad position just because most of my friends or most of my community that are like, I do, they do for me, they don't live in this area. And right. so I would literally have to create a new environment around support if I had children at this time, right? Because yeah. it wouldn't just naturally be in place for me as it was as if I was even still in Philly, you know, like, because you build your community around where you were staying, you know, so, and, or most of my family migrated back down to the South. So I can't even be like, oh, let me get my sister to watch my kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So having those, having those other options become really important, especially um, for single mothers, and for those single parents, let's just say single parents, because I know some single fathers as well, being able to find outside resources, even outside of your community or your actual support system, it's going to be mm -hmm. extremely important. Like, and it might be even virtual options. Like, there's so many men's groups who are doing, like, support online. There's so many different, like, parenting groups that are doing their stuff online where it might give you a chance to check in to see what mm -hmm. other people are doing, you know? Yeah, that's so, that's so important. Every, everybody, if you wasn't before focused on online, we are now. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't use the excuse anymore of I don't do online or I don't know how to navigate. I have no. a client, I have a client who is, God rest, um, 70, ooh, 74. Uh -huh. Maybe 75. I'm not sure exactly. But when we first started, I was seeing nothing but nostrils. Now she like, <laughs> now she is set up. She can, she tells me what time we are we on. Uh, she's mm -hmm. able to use it by getting the confidence of doing it. So if you aren't a parent who naturally understands technology right now, whether we like it or not, we have to try. Yeah. Like, and there's so many resources out there that are available. And I just hope that people really listen to what you're saying and take advantage of them because it's a lot of pressure yeah. to have to do everything, whether you're in the home or out of the home, mm -hmm. it's a lot. So, and many of the programs, not to cut you off, um, many of the programs like Comcast has um, a discounted internet for low income homes. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, uh, less than nine dollars for internet so it's some it's resources out there 
I definitely feel like if you are struggling, even reaching out and emailing me or anything, I'll find a list of services. <laughs> Just tell me where you are. <laughs> like, because it is our responsibility as the village to figure yeah. this out together. Because if you think our communities have already been falling behind, this could ultimately put us further even behind, you know? So Yeah. Meaning the pandemic. Oh God, um, yes. Yeah, the, like, the different things that are falling out from it can put our people yeah. behind even further. Exactly. And I think, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but um, over the last couple of days, I've had a lot of people reaching out about emotional or physical abuse. And I think <laughs> this pandemic is proof that we don't have as many skills as we thought we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some of those basic skills like communication, monitoring, or evaluating how our emotions impact ourselves or others, those are things that we struggle with in general. But when you put us into this, I guess, pandemic style living, mm-hmm. it just brings out the worst in some of our abilities or lack of skills, you know? Oh my gosh, Sharia, that's so important. And, you know, the pandemic has highlighted or exacerbated whatever the struggle is. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) And this is a little off topic, but I want to make sure I say this so we can come back to it, almost like remind us. Mm -hmm. Um, Depression, you know, depression is very real. There are people who are isolated, are elderly. You know, I think oh, about God, my grandmother. Yeah. God rest, God bless her. <laughs> God bless her whole soul. Um, she's 94, uh-huh. 95. And she's like her. so strong. She's got a great energy. Um, I pray, you know, for her health and quality of life. But she even said like, um, you know, if I wasn't as strong as I was, I'd be down. I'd be down. Like, uh-huh. it's, it's hard because you can't see people. Yeah. No, I get you. I was talking oh. to my grandmother this, uh, actually, not yesterday, Sunday. And uh, we used to have like a Sunday call or whatever. And she said the same, similar, something similar. Now, my grandmother, oh, don't quote me. She might be 88 this year, mm-hmm. 87. But she used to feel the same way. It's like she can't get visitors. She, they're very strict on who they're allowing, even in the assisted living portion. Like, it's, it's like clearly an isolating experience. And thank God that she's close with her roommate, but there's only so much they can see of each other without seeing family, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to take us there. I want to go where you were going with the emotional um, abuse. Yeah, it just, it hit me this week. So I have um, a few clients who, even before the pandemic, were in some, I would, what I would describe as escalated abusive uh, relationships where they're kind of like starting to escalate, where there's a fear of violence. And so I don't know if you watch Lovecraft, the uh, the no, I'm familiar you... with it. I'm okay. familiar. <laughs> that thing that okay. just came out, right? That yes, show? yes. You have to uh, start watching it so we can have some you of those know... discussions. <laughs> okay. It was on the television the other day, and it was I was moving around, but <laughs> what I heard sounds so disturbing. But go ahead. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I would tell you, it's not for the weak at, weak at heart. Um, it's sort of... I, I don't want I don't want to make it so simple as saying a satire but it's sort of a um it's sort of a play on the monsters being uh about this country's racism. So Oh, it's actually, okay. It's actually Guess a pretty good to watch it. It's actually a pretty good behind the story as well as the actual horror story. So mm-hmm. the reason I was going to say that is just um Long story short, right? That's how black people do. Long story short, I think they told the whole story. Uh, <laughs> uh, the um, the story, the the episode this week was called "History of Violence," and 
first off, History of Violence is one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like no. really like crazy, intense, violent movie, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good, but it's, it's a, obviously it's a violent movie, obviously, but it's a really good storyline behind the violence and hiding your history or whatever. So the story was, that was the name of the, um, the episode. And it made me think of how much of us have a legacy of some form of abuse mm-hmm. and how that abuse doesn't always look like getting a black eye, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes we can easily separate the abuse or call something abuse when we see it as a physical attack on a person. But what we don't tend to do is see the layers of how damaging we are with the way we talk to each other, the way we, I guess, plant negative seeds about each other's identities and Mm. try to kind of revamp and relive any incident or mistake you've ever made in your life. And so I just was thinking, I was thinking that's that, like, oh, that's yeah, a lie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I told you when I get this, that's what happens when I take a week off. I think too much. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens is that we, in attempt to be nothing like our parents mm-hmm. or nothing like our legacy, we end up being just like it. Yeah. <laughs> and we just, we, we end up being just like it and it looks different, but it's right. still the same abuse. Exactly. <laughs> the same type of stuff, just a different bottle, right? Oh my like, God, that is so deep. I was thinking about that this weekend. Go ahead. And so, and I got here between the show as well as one of my clients reaching out for resources. And I just kind of wanted to talk about what are we saying to each other? Like, what seeds have we not broken, but because we don't demonstrate them the same as our parents, we think we have, right? So, for example, you may not beat your child anymore, but I don't hear, but I don't see you having open conversations about their identity in a positive way and or nurturing who they want to be fully, even if it goes against what you see as your value, right? And so, I don't know. This is a lot. Good morning. So, so we're not, we're not physically abusing, we're not physically um, harming our children, but we're also, the way we were physically, right? Like we got beaten. <laughs> and so, so and, and we're so threatening we, in different ways, right? Like I think of some of the stuff that we say to our children, like this ain't your home or like almost taking ownership away from them. Like I brought you into this world. I could take you out. And it seems like, oh, that's not that big of a deal, but it's actually really threatening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and saying that to a five-year-old who doesn't mm-hmm. understand that it's just a saying that we say mm-hmm. also creates a certain identity of fear in them. And so we wonder why kids stutter. We wonder why they have anxiety, right? Where it's like, you don't realize that some of those legacies that you understood as you got older as not being violent, a child doesn't understand them. And so they may have to go through that same process that you did to separate from your parents being wrong and doing the best they could, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but a child can't understand that. Yeah, no. I mean, unless y'all know something I don't know about development. <laughs> right. A child cannot understand that. Which is why we become so parentified at a young age. So I'm going to stop for a second because I know you, you, you always say I keep going. No, I, but I'm <laughs> just processing. I'm processing everything you said because you said a lot. You yeah. said you know, we try so hard not to be like our parents that we do, like we try to do something extreme and we end up right in the same spot. It just looks different. Uh-huh. And, um, that the things that we say to each other about our identity are harmful. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. And then we were talking to a, a child, five years old, and telling them things like, this isn't your home. Yeah, like understanding that's very different than telling a 20-year-old that. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely, absolutely. 
So now the twenty year old might need to hear that. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you ain't grown yet. Yeah, exactly. Type thing. But a five year old yeah. in there, how they understand that is I'm not safe. Like so I'm not it takes safe. A, yeah. It takes away security when you were just joking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so Yeah, we gotta be so careful, especially because like, like you said, because of the pandemic, it's, it's exacerbated, right? So we can have time away from our children, <laughs> right? <laughs> and our children time. can have time away from us. But now we're spending all this time together. And so not only do they, not only are they affected, I think worse, you know, with verbal or emotional abuse than physical sometimes, uh, but they listen to everything we say. Yeah. And they watch everything we do. So, right, that one time you might call your child stupid, a loser, mm-hmm. some other offensive words that I don't even want to bring up. You don't realize mm-hmm. what seed that's planting for their self-esteem, their self-confidence later in life. And, and I think then, maybe, maybe if I use loser or stupid, people are like, well, I would never do that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's as simple as saying, you ain't never gonna figure nothing out. Okay. Yeah. Can't you can't you do anything? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those statements don't feel like they may not be as bad as saying loser or stupid, but they're planting seeds. And so <laughs> it's funny because one of my activities is a five to one ratio because the person <laughs> that I'm talking about happens to be in a relationship. It's not their child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their partner who is emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. And this person is like a tyrant where they just yell and call names and to the point where they get red. Like, so I'm like, you're borderline about to hit this person soon, you know? So (laughs) it just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And it's not my place to tell somebody how to love someone. It's my place to try to give them skills to love themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so why she stays not, not where I'm at, in terms of our work, it's about if she's going to stay, how do we keep you safe? Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I'm sorry, I lost my thought. Well, you were talking about how the, the person you're working with, is, it's not about the child, it's more about the mate. Yeah, and so it's about really how, I guess the boundaries that we set with each other. And so they have children. Mm-hmm. And so now they're, well, they have, they have children and one of them is young enough to mimic the partner. Mm-hmm. And so whenever they get mad at the one parent, they do the same thing that the other one does to them. And so, oh my gosh. And literally we'll sit and argue that nothing is wrong or it can't be, you know, like, I'm not impacting my uh, child. There's no way that she's, they're able to pick up on this. When in reality, if, she's, if they're already mimicking it at five or six, what do you think is going to happen when they are an adult? Yeah, that's right? sad. That's a, so, you know, that's that intergenerational trauma. There you go. You know, and <laughs> look at and you and your fresh education. Look at that. <laughs> I'm so proud. Sorry. <laughs> wow, mama moment. Look at you. <laughs> you just broke it down for us. And it's sad because the person who's in that situation is not only have getting the emotional abuse from their partner, mm-hmm. but now they have a child that they have to raise in all of the emotions and the weight of the responsibility that's on you from raising a child and Mm -hmm. taking care of that child properly and teaching them the right way. Now you're worried about that and you're getting emotionally abused by the child too. Exactly. (laughs) So you're worried about your child's future and you're constantly getting berated. And so let's talk about the impact. Right. Like, the impact on not just the child, but the partner, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is that some of the same things that we worked on at the beginning of our work, we're working on over and over again, 
around building your esteem and building your self-image outside of this other person. Now, don't get me wrong. We have a safety plan in place and Mm -hmm. we have an identified goal. But one thing that I learned early in the game of abuse is that abusers, batterers, whatever you want to call them, um, they're so manipulative and smart and their level of intellect has a lot to do with just being narcissists. Mm -hmm. And so you have to plan because they have already broken you down, right? So this person has no access to money. So that's financial abuse. This person has totally isolated from all of her relatives, literally by country. (laughs) Like, so there is layers to even our work because our safety plan is about how do we keep you safe in here until we can get you out? Okay. Right? And so working on identifying the impacts is really about her self-esteem, about her child, and what they want to see different in their Mm -hmm. child, and Mm -hmm. how important it is to get them out by a certain age, right? Because there are going to be corrective and or therapeutic things that that child is going to need to be able to understand if uh, if one partner leaves, what that means to them, you know? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's been, un- I feel like we talk about emotional abuse in our community as just like, well, that's just how we talk to each other. We know we love each other. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, We do. But how does that type of love impact our daughter's selection of man? right? How does that type of love impact our son's behaviors and control within relationships? And that's not to say Mm -hmm. that abuse can't happen regardless of gender, but there Mm -hmm. are some gender elements that we create in our home that then get passed on that create the same legacy over and over again, just in different ways. And so I just hope that we can identify when our self-esteems and our, our identities are broken because of the abuse and it not just have to be physical abuse. Like, if I talk about physical abuse, that's, you know, <clears throat> that's something that is going to take me to a different place just because I know the consequence of that in terms of loss. And so mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, it starts somewhere and emotional abuse, verbal abuse are where we kind of just let it happen and be like, well, that's just them angry today. And it escalates four or five years later, you know, like, because statistically 80% of physical abuse started off as emotional and or some kind of progressive form of abuse. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they just started hitting you on the first date. Like, mm-hmm. So. Well, that, you know, part of what you said that is really sticking with me is that whole isolation piece. Mm-hmm. So you're already at a disadvantage yeah. when you're in a whole different country from the rest of your family and you don't have finances. Mm-hmm. So but that's how we set. Well, and that's why I said uh, I haven't met one yet who hasn't been smart mm-hmm. in terms of abusers, even mm-hmm. when they appear dumb. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, some of it, yeah, like, and some of it is just the reality of, because I know we talked about this before, the dependent personality mm-hmm. and being aware of what's going on where I am in relationships that don't feed me in a way that makes me feel good. Yeah, right. Like what you said, what, what's happening in my rearing that's making mm-hmm. me select that type of partner? Yeah. And in a way that says it's not my fault because that person has no right to do it. But I also don't deserve this. And so I have to take control and get out of this. Mm-hmm. So, or never enter it, right? Because it would be much healthier if we could just see the signs and run like hell. <laughs> God, yeah. God, yeah. Oh. That's heavy, Sharia. Yeah. That's heavy because it's so layered. Welcome to September. And- <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so layered and it really starts with, you know, how we're taking care of our children, our mm -hmm. sons and our daughters, um, so that they can have a sense of self worth mm -hmm. and know what, you know, what's healthy. Yeah. Um, and I think and to know a, when to ask for help too. Know when to ask for help. Yeah. Right. Because I think one of the, I mean, she, this person happened upon me, like someone basically brought them in through them and they were like, Oh, I just want you to meet someone. And that's how they got into help. Mm. But it was, it was really that person seeing that I can't do this besides being a friend that I need to, I need someone else to see what I'm seeing to help her in a way that I can't. Yeah. Thank right. God for friends. Yeah. <laughs> for real. And thank God for me having a caring heart because I wasn't taking clients at the time, but. <laughs> <laughs> thank God for smart friends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, thank you God know, for smart <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's the that's what I'm gonna say is the the light in all of that, right? Like yeah. we talked about how do you how are people getting the supports that they need? Yeah. You know, like reaching and, out and asking for help and or taking your friend to get the help. Like Yeah. Yeah. Not sure I she mean, knew what she was coming for, but <laughs> she knew she left yeah. with what she needed, you know. Yeah, and she got the right one too. <laughs> she got the right one because there's layers to that and so many steps. And yeah. I'm just happy to hear that she has you and a safety plan. Yeah. Um, and I pray that she works towards her plan and yes. keeps gets herself safe and, and stops that generational curse. Because she, uh, she working. We need healthy people out here. We do. <laughs> we do. We need All to right, do we have time to keep it real? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I'm going to let you start this one because I, I, I want you to, we want to talk about it because we started talking about it after last week's show. Yeah, but, we, we just kept chatting after last week's show. So last week we talked about Brandy and Monica and Versus yeah. and, you know, gave our take on it and our observations. And one of the things that I said was I like Monica because she's real um and i was saying that about her uh so when we when you think about that and you think about what we saw on verses between monica and brandy it looked like i was implying that brandy wasn't keeping it real in that moment and so mm -hmm. we were talking about how brandy was keeping it real too um because she was dealing with somebody who was guarded and not as engaging and she was trying to keep it light and Looked pretty anxious. She looked like she was pretty anxious. So that was keeping it real too. But I think we wanted to bring it back because we wanted to just dig into that. Why we think, you know, keeping it real is looks like what Monica's presentation looks like versus Brandy's. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, How about <laughs> so, you know, I know the common way of saying keeping it real and thinking of keeping it real is that attitude. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm that Monica has, that sassiness. Uh, and, you know, that's a trauma response. <laughs> I mean, that's a trauma is. response, big time trauma response. And so when I say I like Monica because she keeps it real, I like both, right? Mm -hmm. I like the sassy attitude, um, but I like no matter what is happening with her, she's not necessarily putting up a facade. Right? Like, so that guardedness, that defensiveness um, that we saw or that we commented on, um, I believe comes from trauma. I don't mm -hmm. know Monica. Um, no, not a, yeah, we're not trying just, to, it's not about Monica herself. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's the behavior, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. um, and um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I lost my thought. But yeah, so it's that's it's I like that. Oh, okay. So in comparison to Brandy, over the years, and I like both of them, but over the mm -hmm. years, Brandy's personality has been a personality. Um and I remember 
And what I say that like she, we've seen her on Moesha, we, you know, she's had mm-hmm. some acting things that she's been able to do earlier um, in her career as well. And I remember the whole thing about her pregnancy and her oh, having yeah. a baby. And that was before the internet was out of control. Right. So it was just like, if you didn't know, you didn't know. And you heard rumors here and there. And next thing you know, she was married versus (laughs) Monica. And then next thing you know, she was divorced. But versus Monica, who, you know, we hear all her dirt. Mm -hmm. Like, and she, and she's just kind of like, it is what it is, you know? So, um, or we think she feels that way. Cause I would feel like, I feel like the attitude and the guard is more of a facade than the anxiety, right? So to me, what's oh. easier is for us to present with the keeping it real than it is for us to present as vulnerable and semi-anxious, right? And yes. so for me, when I see uh, Monica approach to things, the whole like, God, forgive me, the stereotypical uh gotta get my attitude i'm yeah. had, like don't come at me or you're gonna get bit by a you know like a, a, a i'm a i'm a by bark like to mm-hmm. me i think that person actually speaks louder to vulnerability than it does to being real right because i think in an attempt to look real or to feel like you're protecting yourself you actually are trying to bite before you get bit mm-hmm. and as a result <laughs> you end up pushing everybody and anything away. And I, I'm not, I don't know Monica's story, like, because we can get into what mm-hmm. we hear from the media and all those things. But mm-hmm. that personality, to me, I do agree, very clear that it's a response to some form of, or it's a defense mechanism, let's just use that term. So I don't know what may have caused you to defend yourself in that manner. And then there also might be a legacy related to how your family responds to anything that feels emotionally violating right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it might not even be your individual talking about the intergenerational trauma right it might even be your individual story but because you picked up on that's what keeping it real is you end up having this vulnerability that makes you look guarded attitude and somewhat not pleasant like, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make it that simple, but at some point it's like, is that really you or is that the you you want people to not mess with? You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, when you talk about a legacy of how we respond to, to a violation, um, Black women's have been violated, we know, forever oh, God, yeah. and, and harmed in unspeakable ways. Um, and so I think that it is a bit of a legacy for us all when we can look at someone like mm-hmm. Monica's who has that attitude and say, she's keeping it real because we can yeah. identify with it because mm-hmm. we have to protect ourselves because others haven't protected us. Agreed. And, and so part of what I was saying that I forgot about was, <laughs> you know, for me, when I look at that, it's keeping it real because I can see it. Yeah, I can see that what you're describing. I can see that in Monica and I can relate to it, but I recognize what it is. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I've been educated. (laughs) (laughs) I've been educated around it and I get it. Um, And I work with people. I get it. Yeah, I have some insight on that. But the typical normal person who's not studying, you know, behaviors and diagnoses and things like that. This is why they're not going to see that. They're not going to see that, right? Which is why we pass it down, though, right? When we don't break a norm, we continue it, right? Like, so if we don't break it, so it's, it's, so I'm not a scientist, right? But if a scientist told me to put a mask on because COVID 19 can be uh, transmitted between people doing this, this, and that, then I'm going to put the mask on when I'm around people who don't live with me or I don't in, have a relationship with ongoing where we're in each other's space where we know we're quarantined together or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the scientist giving us knowledge so we can, can change a behavior. It's no different when, when, as professionals, you might not, your friends or your 
or our families may not understand the difference, but it's our responsibility to help them know that you ain't got to do this no more. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm tired mm -hmm. of, I don't want to be the strong black woman stereotype. I don't, mm. because that also gives me no, re no room to cry. That gives me no room to have hard days. There's no room for me to grieve people I love without feeling like I got to stay strong, right? Like, it dehumanizes us as black women, which is exactly. what I was saying before, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's why I don't like that black girl magic. I say that black girl yeah. magic is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I don't, and here's the thing. All right, now I'm magic. But what, to, what if today I don't want to be magical? Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, damn, can I put this down? Like for a second, because I really feel like without us attempting, without us making clear efforts to say, look, that thing she's doing, she's doing it because somebody's hurt her and or hurt our ancestors. And as a result, we've picked this up as the way to look strong, but it doesn't mean we're strong. You know what also could be strong? The fact that you're anxious about a relationship that has been broken in the past and you're trying to make it better, but that person ain't giving you space to even try to do that because they have an attitude problem, right? So that's real too, right? Like being able to have a real conversation. Like I looked at some of the memes and all the stuff over the weeks. People were, people's issues show up in their memes. I always feel that way because I'm just like, y'all worried about how she dressed. Y'all worried about how someone came across in terms of writing poetry. I'm like, what happened to us being just as nurturing and loving to our creatives as we are to those who hold the household down? Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so my issue isn't with Monica's attempt. It's to say that that's not the only thing that keeps us real. And it also is to say that to me, each of them were dealing with vulnerabilities and trying to hold themselves up according to their defense mechanisms, right? So that's yeah. the that's the educated Sharia. But at the end of the day, <laughs> the non-educated says, "Come on, I'm sick of having to hold up an attitude. I'm sick of having to fight uh, to try to make sure that nobody gets close enough to me to see that I have weaknesses." What kind of, like, I don't get to be human. And so for me, I think with Monica's approach, it leaves us in a position to keep being magical, right? It leaves us in this position to keep being this facade for people to continue to think that they can harm us and we have no emotional response to it or we're going to get through it. Like, I, it's just exhausting. I'm it is so exhausting. exhausting. It's extremely exhausting, and I and I think it's exhausting because, you know, underneath it is where the issues lie. Exactly. You know, because what what we're talking about is a response to something, whether you want to call it trauma or a defense mechanism. You know, mm -hmm. digging underneath there to see what caused that behavior to, over the years, as historically or as an individual. What, yeah, and and do why does do? everybody got to reap the consequences of your unresolved trauma? Like, <laughs> get out of here with that. Like, I'm, and mind you, I'm a therapist, people, so I absolutely believe getting help is important. But I also don't believe that your, uh, your past experience with trauma should allow you to mistreat me. Right. Like, hurt people hurt people. We over that, too. Yeah, I'm not gone. Uh -uh. <laughs> Hurt we people over get hurt help. People, hurt people, and we over the black girl magic. That's mm -mm. yeah. I'm like hurt people, hurt people. Go get some help then, so you won't hurt nobody. <laughs> and if you keep hurting people, then it's no longer about the other person no more that hurt you, mm. right? Because at some point, the responsibility of healing is on us as adults. Now, for children, even some younger adults who are still trying to develop their brain fully, because they, you know, they would argue that it's already fully developed, whatever. But it's not. <laughs> And even though for those, it's a little bit different, my language wouldn't be the same in terms of get over it or get to work. My language would be more like, how do we partner to make sure you can heal so that your brain can keep growing, right? Yes. Very different yes. than an adult who is out here. And it's done. Yeah, who out here just toxically beating up every person that comes their way emotionally or physically and not wanting to do work. And that's both men and women, because I also feel like we always say, 
I had like I'm sick of memes talk about black men need to get this and need to get that. I'm like sisters, <laughs> like they are not in this alone. Y'all need to get there too. Like run. <laughs> so hurt people, hurt people until That's they realize that. Topic. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> exactly. We we really do have to talk about. Yes, yes. Because you see how passionate I got at the end. I'm sorry. Because it bothers me. I'm like. Well, it bothers me too when I see because you your, your trauma should be an explanation, not an excuse. Yes, I like that, Sharia. An explanation, not an ex- excuse. Those are two different things. Two different things. And when we make it an excuse, we give people passes to hurt us and to hurt themselves further. And we can't yeah. do that no more. Like we we deserve better as a community. Our children deserve better. And I will. I just want a legacy that looks like love because that's what was intended for us. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. Sorry. I'm stepping down, people. Stepping off the soapbox. (laughs) I think it's all good. I think it's all good. I think that, you know, if people can understand where they need help, it's the first start. Talk about that. Yeah. And I mean, when I say people, I mean me. <laughs> all of us. All of us. Yeah, all right? Us. Like, all of us. I'm not saying external to me. Like, we have to know where we need the help. And yeah. then we have to be around people like your client's girlfriend who get to help get, us get right. there. Because, you know, as you were talking about Monica, and I know we're talking about the attitude, but I think I worry about those people, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. those superstars. Who around them wants them to be healthy? Nobody. Yeah, because they, they don't benefit from them being healthy. Right. And I'm not, and I shouldn't say nobody. I'm sure, you know, there's some loving family members or real, real ones around them, but they're the minority and how much mm-hmm. their voices matter. I don't know. And, you know, so. And you if know, you're we always the dominant one, then they also may be afraid to even come at you to help you. Well, you got a lot of yes people too, just cause mm-hmm. you know they don't want to be banished. Who well, I think we can, like let's let's take that down from superstars. I think we have a lot of yes people in our normal life. Mm-hmm. I think it's really difficult to find people who are really willing to critique you in a way that helps you to grow. Man, that could be another one too. All right, we yeah, have that. That is true. <laughs> On that, that note. Is. We are definitely coming to a, a end. Our little 30-minute show be going, what? What? We had three topics. <laughs> three topics today. Yes. Back to school. How keeping to take care real. of yourself. Emotional abuse. Emotional abuse. And what's keeping it real really mean. Yeah, and how is it really impacting us? So we know we talked about a lot, as always, but that's a great thing about this. We will see you guys hopefully next week. Maybe we'll pick one. Or we'll let you guys pick if you want, instead of yeah, us going. Tell us what you want to hear. Instead of us doing three in a row, maybe we'll do one strong one. Because I do feel like each of those topics could probably get their own show. Yeah. And I absolutely know that towards the end, hurt people hurt people. It's something that we should definitely talk about when it comes to just coming from the academia in terms of how that looks for trauma and that end, but also just coming from a place of healing and learning that our journeys are different but they're possible so yes thank you for this sharia all right as always you guys be well